It's some kind of sweet concoction. There may be bacon. This is the Company Ghost Podcast. This is Alicia Dominico. I'm your host, Alicia Dominico. In this episode of the Company Growth Podcast, we're going to speak with Rod Felber from Felber PR, my good friend who knows more about PR marketing and manufacturing than anybody else I can think of. And I hope you learn a lot from him like I did in this session, talking about how to nurture relationships with journalists and make sure that you meet expectations of how you're going to use PR in your marketing campaigns. Rob, you need to explain the American concoction of chicken and waffles. Oh my gosh, you you put me right on the spot. Um, well, my I have twins, and one of them goes to a school that has uh, kind of a hole in the wall, chicken and waffles. Um, so now my joke is, you know, I go to Ohio University to get chicken and waffles at midnight. Oh, and and maybe to visit my daughter. Uh, well, why do they feel the need to combine a breakfast food with a supper food? Why chicken with waffles? Like how how does that all come about? I don't know how. I just know it's magical when you um, take a hot, fresh, steaming waffle and put a fried chicken with some kind of mysterious sauce and you're standing bundled up outside. It's dark. You're pretending like you're still cool like an old college kid, but you're just old. It's It just, it's you know, brings it all back. So the fried chicken is wrapped up like kind of taco style in the waffle. Yeah, absolutely. And the sauce is mysterious. It's some kind of sweet concoction. There may be bacon, so it's not all bad, and it's good. And there's no maple syrup. See, I was thinking, this, I'm a Canadian, so I'm like, where's you know, the maple there could syrup be. on your Well, waffle? you know, we, I'm talking about the midnight concoction, but we found a breakfast restaurant that had a maple spicy glaze chicken and waffles for breakfast, and we all decided that that was good for breakfast, too spicy for midnight, and we are just imparting your audience with such such knowledge that uh, <laughs> they, 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 they at least go away hungry. Chicken and waffles, you got to try it. It's an Ohio thing, right? It's, it's just... I don't know if it's an Ohio thing, but uh, in my experience, that's where I get it. So today we want to talk with you, Rob, particularly about um, PR and and sales and marketing challenges that you're seeing. I wanted to get your take. Like, how has the PR industry changed with digital marketing? PR has adopted slash fallen in love with digital. Um, The quick snapshot of uh, PR in the past is, you know, you would get an article in a, in a trade publication and ultimately your client would say, well, what is the value? And you say, well, if that full page was an ad and it costs you 5,000, there's your value. Um, and that means nothing. Uh, in the digital age and the impact of lead generation is really our measurement. Well, now we can see, as I was just on a call with a client recently looking at referrals through the HubSpot portal, um, we see a referral from a certain publication and, and an X amount of visitors from that, that website, it absolutely had to be the launch of the company and the article that was picked up by that trade media. Right. There's no other reason why they they would go from that publication you know, to refer to our client site. And so there's the measurement that really goes hand in hand. And I think why modern PR people are falling in love with inbound and digital. So, so trade publications specifically, when you launch um, a content inside of a trade publication, that's where you're seeing those referrals come through uh, of, as being tracked in the HubSpot software as like a campaign or content that they touched along the way of their Absolutely. buyer's journey. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's it's coming in as a referral uh, on a report. You know, they they visit that website and then linked, you know, to to the client site. But you could also see that through email marketing, through uh, use of content, and depending on the content offer, for example, a white paper with an embedded call to action. Um, you can still get that same measurement just you know coming in in a different different way um, from the same uh, approach where do you stand on press releases press releases are the least sexy way to attract attention um and i say that not because we you know still don't use them which we do um they're mostly used when you have um an announcement to make that is not very specific to you know, either down to a publication or even a sector. Um, it could be, hey, we're expanding our plant or we just added a new line. Um, but the, what it always boils down to, whether it's a press release or even pitching a story, I always ask my clients, what do you want to happen when this news is seen? Now, a press release is not an article. And that's probably my, my biggest pet peeve, which uh, outside of bad chicken and waffles, a press release is not an article and it should not be viewed. A press release is a vehicle by which to get an editor's attention to ultimately you know, take some action, write an article, and ultimately put it into the system to hopefully generate leads. And I do want to come back to your earlier question about relating inbound marketing to, um, to lead generation with respect to PR. So you're saying press releases are um, not sexy unless you have a particular goal in mind. Right. Well, you know, if you're targeting, you know, um, a group, and it, it, let's break it down to a persona. You know, you're trying to reach a persona. You have to match that prospect persona to a publication's readers, listeners, viewers. You know, there's a lot of different variations there. If you have a match then you have to have a piece of content that would be interesting to that prospect in the publication's vehicle. You might have the best story in the world on 3D metal printing, but if you're pitching it to a food engineering magazine, they're going to be like, what has this got to do with us? So you have to have a match and bring content, whether that content is white paper, case study, testimonial, um, application story, article, whatever it may be, it has to be interesting to the publication's readers. And of course, as I said, that you have to have a match match that the readers have to be your prospects otherwise you know the whole house cards falls down yeah and nobody's going to even want to put it in their publication right sure. and that, yeah and that's a hard thing to to parse you know what is the story what isn't and a press release is just one of many vehicles we often rather prepare you know prefer i should say to pitch a story to a particular publication we've identified you know trade publication x and they have twenty five thousand circulation and that's a lot of eyeballs that doesn't mean they're all prospects um, but we try to come in with a very specific story to that publication um, an example recently is we wrote a piece of content um, that was on laser cut metal but it was very specific to electronics and what you can do in the electronics and cutting buses and 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 control boxes and such so we targeted that that article to a publication that really stays in the electronics industry and that's what they wanted to, to yeah, publish and that's when you can see the referral sites coming in when exactly. i first started in communications there is this concept that you do a press release and then a journalist will call you and do a story up on it do you see that happening at all anymore they don't jump on their private jet and knock on your door within 10 minutes. Um, and and I think what you've hit on is a very interesting topic in, in what are we expecting to happen? And uh, we just launched a client uh, about a month ago. 
and some of the folks that do not have interaction with sales and marketing, call them CEOs, CFOs, other folks that, that don't know what marketing or PR does, are like, why aren't we in Forbes? Why isn't CNN calling? And so you really have to manage your expectations of what's going to happen, um, and there's nothing wrong with the follow-up. Every journalist that you ever ask will tell you, don't call us, we'll call you if we're interested. Yeah. But everybody's dealing with thousands of emails and calls. You have to call. You got to service it. Um, you got to make sure you had, you know, like we said, the right match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that when you were pitching the, the concept of the press release, um, do you see it? When are the ins- What are the instances where you see it working well that someone says, I do have a story like, a you know, or we're doing a sort of particular news release and we want you to interview us and do a larger story. Are you seeing that work well still? Yes. I mean, that's that's really gets back to what I said earlier. Is what do you want to happen if the end of the, the timeline is you want leads? Well, how do you get leads is you put qualified information in front of your prospect. Well, to do that, you have to, you know, first establish a relationship with editors and reporters and they go to trade shows and they have coffee and they have lunch. Even if you don't have a story, that's a good good way to get to know them but then you bring them a piece of content they say well this is interesting or we'd really like to interview you know um, your your client that's what you ultimately want to happen but you also have to realize at least in the b2b world the cycle is very long Um, so i may pitch a story in january based on a certain editorial that they're covering and it may not be something they run till June, you may not see the impact till July or August. And an eight month cycle for just one article and one reaction is a lot sometimes for uh, a company that's just learning what PR can do. So you you need to do a lot of it and you need to differentiate your approaches. Um, Are you in a position where you're nurturing relationships with editors and knowing what the schedule is that they're going to be publishing on? Are they sharing that with you? Oh, absolutely, yeah, In, in two ways. First on the nurturing side, I tell, you know, all my clients, you know, just think of editors and reporters, you know, as your customers, you know, build a, build a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the brass rod, uh, ring, I should say of, of that is they end up calling you and saying, Hey, we saw this, you know, can we run it? Can we report on it? We saw this blog. Can we publish it ourselves? That's, that's one, you know, aspect of it is, you know, you want to establish that relationship. Um, most publications publish what's called an editorial calendar. I call it like the big rock stories that, you know, January, February, March, April, here's what we're covering. And they may also list like special columns. We cover this every quarter. And that gives you an idea. So when you are making that call, you know, the first thing that you got to know is you got to know what the publication is all about. You can't yeah. call up and say, hey, would you be interested in a story about our widget? When they say, A, that's not our industry, or B, don't you read our publication? We just did three stories on that. They won't even take the time to explain that to you. Right. Yeah. They just, you know, thank you very much. But if you look at the editorial and you come and say, hey, I've been reviewing your editorial calendar. I see in May, you know, that you're you're doing a story on, on uh, rubber gaskets and water meters and, and the ins and outs. And, I, you know, I have a client that does that, you know, here's some new technology would you be interested and they at least know that you did your homework and you're thoughtful and and such um but i do have a a golden nugget for your your listeners if you want yeah i want it this this is how i approach every single phone call with every single reporter whether i've known them for 20 years or not they answer their phone yeah hi mary this is rob do you have a second or are you on deadline and and our friends at, at hubspot would love to know that it i pause at that point 
And what happens is they're, they're all busy. They're all on deadlines. They're all crazy, but they're curious creatures. They're going to be for 99 out of 100 times, they're going to say, yeah, I'm jammed, but what do you got? Yeah. Because they, they want to make sure they're not missing something. Yeah. And it also shows respect for their time. And say, oh, wait, this is someone who understands I'm on deadlines. Yes. And it's a magic phrase, and I've used it for about 20 years. And I've rarely had someone say, you know, and even if they say, I can't talk to you right now, they will then suggest another time. That's a great soundbite for people to be using in their calls. I think that's why it's so important to have an agency that really specializes uh, in these industries so that you're keeping your eye on the publications. So for instance, you specialize in manufacturing, you know the manufacturing publications that they may want to appear in, you know what the editorial calendar is. And you mentioned earlier, you know, digital and measurement. And I think what's really changed, and again, I'm old and I'm doing this since 93, but not only the measurement of digital, but Yes, there are still traditional month-to-month print publications, but they all have an online uh, machine to fill. Yep. And so they may say, look, you know, this is great. I'm running this now. It'll appear in print three months from now, but they all have to to constantly feed that machine. So, you know, don't think, oh, I see it's not till May. You got to know if you're, it's January, you know, March or April may already be put to bed and in, in print, but they all still have online uh, news that they have to continue to, f- to feed. Rob, I want to switch tracks for a second. People in my life keep saying to me how much they dislike conflict. And, you know, we're both in the agency world. We deal with conflict. I think we've probably all had to deal with it a lot. So um, let's let's talk about that for a second. How do you deal with conflict at work? I, I guess if I've learned anything is when the reaction doesn't fit the situation, something's wrong. Mm. So, you know, we're in a small shop, but I also work several other jobs and, you know, big team environments and, you know, just to, really just to be people and, say, and pull someone aside and say, hey, you know, yeah, the paperclip bent, but that wasn't a reason to throw the desk. What's, what's really going on? <laughs> you know, and it's not a real example. Don't, you know, have people think I work in a violent environment. Yeah, I was going to say, what's um, going but, on in Ohio? But, you know, I guess from, from conflict, you know, that's that's what I see. And and, and sometimes we're, we're all too quick to just react to the conflict as opposed to say, hey, what's going on? I, you know, have a, a colleague in the medical field and I, I see monthly and I, one look yesterday. And I go, what's wrong? And it, it was something pretty horrible. But mm-hmm. I just immediately knew that you know she was hiding something. <laughs> yeah. And and it, you know you know and and you know just to be real for a minute. And and I think that's what sometimes gets missed in the the fast pace of of business and people and 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 then hiding behind. Uh, I guess you can't get away from it on a video call as much as uh, you can on a, on a conference call. But, you know, just to really be real and, and try to figure out, you know, how do we going to how are we going to diffuse this conflict, whether, you know, it's something you created or not. Do you find that conflict is typically your biggest obstacle in business? Uh, no, I, I think, you know, um, what what's often the diff- most difficult is is kind of twofold. One. You know, people not understanding goals with respect to what your your services are, and if someone thinks one thing's going to happen, like CNN's going to call tomorrow, and what's really happening is you know ABC print publication that you never heard of is going to call in six months. Those are wildly different outcomes, mm-hmm. um, and and conflict can arise if you're not on the same page. And I I always 
try to, you know, early on in the conversation, what do we expect to happen? This just happened even today on a, on a call with a client. The, someone that's not involved in what myself and the client contact are doing is pressuring for results and the company's been up a month. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, well, what kind of results, you know, so agreeing on the measurement and whether you're using a platform or not, you know, you have to agree like, okay, this is how we're going to know that we got there. And whether it's leads or moving people through the sales funnel and the like. Rob, I know that you're you're a good people manager just from, from how you interact, but talk to me about the leaders that you followed. Uh, you know, in terms of company growth, leadership is so important. So tell me about a leader you loved and why. I, I had an opportunity many, many, many years ago at a sales and marketing conference in, in Detroit, Michigan. Um, the speaker was Dr. Amar Bose. Yes, from Bose Radio. Oh, cool. And he was hysterical. And he was a MIT professor, academic Um and, and he let off as like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a professor. I'm programmed to go 90 minutes. Someone stop me <laughs> if we get to that point. Um, but I, I, I got to hear his story. And what was very interesting is, is the persistency he went through. He was in a situation where, you know, traditional hi-fi industry, you had to have a preamp plugged in and nobody would take him seriously. He would spend hours in retail stores just listening to the conversations and what sold and somebody buy a bigger speaker just because it was bigger and not because it was better and and history has proven that his product you know the bows and the bows you know speakers and sound and everything that goes with it you know was superior um but you know you, you didn't need a preamp and and a salesperson would insist on plugging a preamp in into his product and blowing it up and th- and then say it was bad and you know his persistence i i just can't imagine i guess you know you'd probably see the same from from a howard schultz or uh herb kelleher you know that's uh starbucks and uh, southwest airlines respectively they they all had that passion to to listen to the customer and um you know, I walked a guy out to his car. He probably thought I was a stalker. You know, can I drive you to the airport? Anything to get four, four more minutes with Dr. Bose. And he, he since passed, I think, in 2013. But um, I was young, and, and it was a long time ago. Um, but it was just an amazing story of persistence um, from all those leaders that I mentioned. And, and listening to customers, I know Howard Schultz would sit in cafes and and just listen to the orders and and try to find you know the gaps in in customer service if you're going to be a disruptive product really understanding what difference you're making and then being persistent is such a good takeaway i think you're absolutely right it's absolutely even more difficult when you're disrupting you know it's it's one thing to make a better mousetrap it's one thing to you know why are we catching mice to begin with and (laughs) and be a disruptor in in there in your working career, has there been a leader that was a mentor to you or that you worked with and and how did they shape you or what were the lessons you took away? You know, uh, I can really go back way, way, way back to high school. I thought I was going to be uh, a photojournalism. I was actually working at a local newspaper, um, but I had met somebody and you know he was you know not to put him down but he was just a run-in-the-mill photographer at a small weekly um but he he pulled me aside and said hey you know i think you got 
something, and he encouraged me, almost to the detriment of his own job, to 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 step out of my comfort zone. Um, I remember him taking me in to meet the editor. I didn't even know what an editor was when I was seventeen. Yeah. And and here's his pictures. I think we could use them. And and uh, I you know many many years later now I have lost touch. You know, thirty forty years ago. But you know that was someone who wasn't in a leadership position. Um, other than he was the only photographer in the, in the publication, but you know saw something and and pushed me out of my comfort zone and said, "Hey, I think you can do this." That's amazing. Leaders um, don't have to be in rank and file. By yeah, they don't have to be the CEO to be be the leader. Let's switch to Martech software that helps you resolve challenges. I think the biggest challenge is is staying on task. Um, and we've tried uh, several different, uh, and I think we've had a side conversation on this in the past, you know, with different types yeah. of software for project management. Um, and what seemed to work for our small company is teamwork. Um, we tried Asana, we, you know, and I'm nothing wrong with either product, but um, that's a platform that for some reason has stuck. Um, if I had to say another really not necessarily designed for marketing technology um, but zoom with respect to you know video calls um, probably one of our best return on investments um, you know to be able to have unlimited calls you know 20 30 50 people at a time uh, at the drop of a hat has made us more efficient and has actually helped us reach outside of our borders two of our newest yeah. clients are in a completely different time zone um, and you know to be able to to use a software like that whether it's training um, we're trying to explain something, you know, on the HubSpot platform yeah. and we'll make a 20 second video and say, here's what we're talking about. And you record that in Zoom? Actually with HubSpot, we'll, we'll do the training videos with Vidyard. Um, but the communications with the client, uh, you know, where we're sharing screens and, and, um, basically doing, you know, our client engagement we'll do in Zoom. Video recording is a feature of Zoom, though, that you can record your meetings. Yes. And is that that's part of what you use it for, or you don't play around with that? Um, we don't always record, um, but sometimes if, you know, if we're interviewing for content and they're speaking really, really fast and we we know we're going to have to transcribe it, um, it is helpful to record it. You know, let the client know, hey, you know, we're interviewing you. We're we're not the media. And, and, and I say that in a in a kinder, gentler way. You know, when you are in a media interview, it's a whole different ballgame. But I say, look, we're your agency, you know, um, you get to see everything we produce before it goes to the media. Yeah. So we're recording this for accuracy. Um, you know, and even we tell clients that, you know, we need to get at the subject matter experts that anybody that can generate even a sentence of content knows that they have to engage with the subject matter experts. Um, and in manufacturing, that's a challenge for us because it's, it's a quality engineer whose total job is, you know, keep please place is running and make sure products are quality and the last thing they want to do is stop for a half hour and talk to a marketing person um, even if they understand the value of where their content would be that would help them bring more work in they're still under pressure we say hey you're driving to the airport can we get on a call can you send us a voice mem memo or or even you know can we send you 24 questions via email and you answer them at your leisure you got to be able to get at that content but you know a couple of those software programs i mentioned do help us do that i want to push back on zoom we're g suite users so automatically we get access to google meetings uh and i i love that from my calendar i can just attach a meeting link right um, and there's no installation for anybody else do you do you find the user experience is as good with zoom 
I, I do, and and uh, and I guess you know when we think about platforms, you know, we are PC based, um, and it, which is very non traditional for a creative firm. You're usually, everybody's in the Apple products and and so forth. And you mentioned the Google platforms, but um, because we're old school and we have old <laughs> financial systems, um, we still need to you know have you know I'm talking about QuickBooks. Yeah. Uh, we still need to have the PC. Um, so you know, given if if we were to bridge that, not need it, but um, you know, I found that, you know, if I had to think of uh, go-to meeting or anything, it, it, there wasn't a single one I went to that the meeting didn't go and you had to click and then you had to download. And, you know, with Zoom, it's, um, I can launch it on the fly. I can invite people right to, you know, uh, a Zoom that I just started yeah. or I can, I, we do a lot of scheduling. You know, very last thing we do on every call is when are we talking again? Okay, in a week. What time, what date, let me send you a Zoom. It's just as easy to add the Zoom link right from the calendar invite. We do we do it as a calendar invite. I schedule it, um, you know, rename it instead of, you know, Rob Felber's inviting you to a Zoom call. I change it to, you know, us and our client name so we know which is which from and it and then just send an email attachment and, and I think it works just as well. So we were using AnyMeeting, which has since been bought out by Intermedia, um, and we were grandfathered in on their free version. And what I didn't like about it was that I always had to go into that app to set up a meeting. I couldn't do it right from my calendar. Yeah. And I guess uh, it doesn't bother us as much to do it right from the app. Uh, and, and again, if we're in a call, we're, just, we're not closing the app. Um, I, but they do have a, you know, uh, for those in the iPhone world, I'm sure they have a Android version as well of the app itself. But I'm, we're using a desktop um, and, and, and it just seems to work. I've hardly ever had someone say, I can't log in. And you, they don't mind having to download something. You find that that's not... I don't think they have to download anything. I think occasionally there's a quick EXE, but it's not like, um, what was it, GoToMeeting? What was the other one that HubSpot used to use all the time? Was it GoTo? Um, but they all went to Zoom about, I can't think of it, but it never worked. And it was always like, hold on, you need a passcode. No, it, at the end of the day, Zoom for us just works. But, you know, the Google Hangouts and the other ones um, seem to be just, it would work just as well, just as simply. Thanks so much for being here today, Rob. Cool. Now, now I'm hungry. <laughs> Chicken and waffles. And my daughter already left. She's headed back for, you know, that crazy American uh, lower 48, you know, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know you guys already had yours. We did. Um, you we're, did. We're but second week you know, now, why couldn't we do this call three hours ago where I would have told her to pick up chicken and waffles. <laughs> well, um, we always enjoy the thanks to the American Thanksgiving because yeah. Black Friday in the last few years has come to Canada So and Cyber Monday. We're getting benefiting from oh, that boy. and also the full day of football on Thursday, which uh, yeah. I wish I was in a position to take off and just lounge around to oh, enjoy. Well, now we know you're working Thursday. If I'm not working Thursday, you'll know where I am. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, this was a lot of fun. Anytime I, uh, I'd love to hear... Um, from your listeners, you know, what value did, did they get, if anything, other than a, a cuisine? <laughs> Something a must try in Ohio. You, did, you thought New York City was your next tourism destination. Best fluffle, though, I ever had was on the street in New York City. <laughs> I love fluffle. <laughs> right out of a, one of those food trucks. Did you say waffle or falafel? Falafel. Uh, out of a truck in New York City. I, there's something about eating outside. There is, in fresh air. <laughs> Obviously, that's your thing. I had uh, I had almost like, we have a lot of shawarma here in uh, Ottawa, and so falafel is popular. And I had oh. we had an entire tub of garlic dip this weekend in our house with falafel. It was very, very healthy, I feel like. Well, if I could get around Lake Erie, I'll be there in a little bit. It's only... <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> I don't know, what are we, five hours? <laughs> oh, Rob, it's great to talk with you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alicia. Read more about digital marketing on tangiblewords.com. And about this episode in particular, you can read more in depth at tangiblewords.com forward slash company growth podcast. On our next episode, we'll talk about cannabis marketing. Check it out. <laughs>